Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me as uh, slightly disappointed that nothing has really been decided outside of the Leafs and Lightning after, uh, what, Monday night's games. And so we are left, I mean, I'm not disappointed, but maybe Justin is a little bit. The, the only series we know about right now are the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So on today's show, we will preview that series and we'll just... Talk all the possible matchups up till then. Uh, Justin, how's it going for you? I can't complain. It's been a crazy day, but uh, glad I get the break from work and get to chat with you now. And, yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. Me too. So how, how was the birthday, by the way? I know our, our listeners are curious, you know, how uh, yeah, the I, I don't want to spoil it and tell them your age, but um, that's okay. 37. It's all right. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it is, I, th- I was thinking about it. I think when we started the show, let's see, it was, it was 2017. So I would have already been 31, right? Yeah. 31. Yeah, I think so. That's the, but yeah, that's correct. I mean, that is, that's pretty crazy that I've had six, I guess now five birthdays. No, 30. Yeah. Six birthdays, uh, since then. So pretty nuts. Um, I feel like, you know, my half my adult life, we've been doing this podcast almost. <laughs> That's the way it feels. I guess a third, a third of my adult life. A third. Yeah. I, yeah. Six years. Beautiful shoot. thing. It is. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fun birthday, you know, just hanging out with the family. And actually this last weekend went to my parents' house that live near Lake Michigan. So that was a, a lot of fun. I played a lot of pickleball. They have a pickleball court near their, near their house. Oh. And boy, if you've never played pickleball, I'll tell you what, it's like, an old man's tennis but it's it's just wonder it's really fun because the it's a little easier to play so somebody who's not real like somebody who is good at tennis and somebody who's like okay at tennis it's not even fun but (laughs) someone who's good at pickleball and somebody who's like okay it's still really fun and you play doubles it's a lot short a lot smaller of a court so you don't get tired as quickly so you can play for a longer amount of time and um and you're rarely hitting the ball above your shoulders, so it's a lot more like underhand and sideways kind of hitting with your paddle. So it's just really easy on the on the body, which is nice. Which is why a lot of old people play it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now, and I can honestly say I've never played it. So yeah, I, I had never played it up until uh, until Friday of last week. So I nice. I had a great time. Uh, my brother has played a decent amount, so he was able. He explained the rules and and all that. So, uh, but yeah, good good game. If you ever have the opportunity to just go out and play some pickleball, I I recommend it. It's it's a good time, and it's one of those sports where even if your wife likes, you know, if your wife likes to be active, you could get out with your wife and like you could play together, and it would actually be fun. Not like like if you again, if you go out with someone who doesn't know how to play tennis and you try to play tennis, it's not fun. Because <laughs> it's just so far to hit a ball and and accurately and um, this is like a, it's basically like a, a harder wiffle ball that you're playing with. So uh, it's it's uh, it's easy and the court is small, so it's just it's uh, my my best way of describing it. It's tennis combined with ping pong. So tennis combined with ping pong. Yeah, All right, I love yeah. it. So, anyways, uh, we'll we'll jump into our uh, our preview of the Leafs Lightning, and then we'll just jump into all these other playoff races, which. It is it is uh, such a uh, a difference from last season where we knew all eight teams we almost knew all the matchups by like the final five six games of the season I mean we knew who was going to be in the playoffs in the first thirty games <laughs> I don't think anything changed after that right uh, whereas this year we've got some great races I mean down to the final two three games of the season and there are still 
two teams in the East that are out of it that could still make the playoffs. And in the West, there's still one team out of it that could make the playoffs. So a fun stretch here to uh, to close out the season. Uh, but let's jump into Leafs Lightning. We know that the Leafs are the uh, will have home ice advantage now in this series. They have, have really stacked up the points off the Lightning uh, here in the last two weeks. Now they're 11 points up on the Lightning with two games left to go for both teams. Tampa Bay Lightning, three and seven in their final 10 right now, or in their last 10. They've lost three in a row. The Leafs are kind of uh, on cruise control. I mean, last night they played uh, the Florida Panthers, who desperately needed to win. And it looked like the Leafs, you know, they were out there to play, but you could tell Florida was dying to win that game, and the Leafs still beat them. So that's, that's a good, to me, that's a really good sign. When you don't need to win a game, and you beat the team who's just going balls out to get that extra point. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I think it's it's a good sign for for Maple Leafs fans, especially because you, you know, I mean, again, I, this is a make it or break it year for for management here in Toronto, and I think just to see that that drive from the players to know that you know, hopefully, assumingly that they're going to go into the playoffs with this the same mental mentality, this same drive, this hunger. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll lead to some success for them in the first round. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, just to start start off the bat, I guess, looking at some some Maple Leafs players who have had um, some career years, you look at William Nylander and the impact that he has had this season in particular, where I, I think in the past, obviously, he's he is still uh, your your guy behind Matthews and Marner. And he's somewhere, you know, there's there's Tavares there, too. I think that people maybe think of Tavares before they think of Nylander, although I think that Nylander is the more important player. Uh, and, and when Tavares went down against Montreal in that series, uh, Nylander was the Leafs' best player. Uh, but Nylander here, you know, he's setting career highs. He's got 83 points, 38 goals. Uh, maybe he ends up with 40 by the end of this, but uh, he, he broke last year's high of 80 points and 34 goals. So this kid's only getting better. Not really a kid anymore. He's what, uh, 27 now, almost, almost yeah, 27. So. He'll turn 27 on May the 1st. So he's almost 27. And I mean, I think he's just at peak William Nylander, right? Is what we're seeing. And if like him being this much better and this confident really gives the Leafs, uh, that like next step and that next level of edge over the lightning who, you know, in the past have had uh, this, I would say Braden point has been their kind of their X factor. Cause you had Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman. And then down the list, you had Braden point who was on most, on a lot of teams, he'd be the best player on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, right? So that, that's the other thing too, right? So, Toronto or Tampa's always had this. They've been known for their forward depth, right? And I think maybe this year um, we won't really say that as much just because, again, they weren't going out at the deadline and acquiring, you know, spending a few first-round picks to bring in some, you what know. What do you mean they brought in Chandler Janot? <laughs> well, they well, spent first-round picks on him at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, they spent two first-rounders last year on Brandon Hagel, and it's clearly worked out well. They brought in Nick Paul, guys that, you know, were difference makers on a third line that really on other teams – would be slotted a little bit higher, whether that's first or second lines. And so sure. uh, Tanner Janot, again, he's, he's you know, he's a, a quality depth player, but he's not a first or second line guy 
in my opinion. And now he's hurt anyway, so. Right, exactly. So it doesn't even matter. And so, you know, I think that's that's the difference this year is now you've got a Tampa team that hasn't gone out and tried to acquire a first-line winger to put on their third line to try to, you know, to have their quote-unquote third line that's going to destroy you in the playoffs. And so um, that's where. Well, but I'm, in, I'm, some, in some respects, they did that last year. Like sure. they already went and they spent the the resources last year on those guys, and they did. I mean, Tanner Janot was supposed to be the next, the final piece, I'll say, of that third line because he he was kind of acquired to be. Well, we lost Palat, and now we're going to try like bring in a, one more piece to kind of solidify that bottom nine or the the top nine. Yeah, and and, and you look at it right. So Russ Colton, Anthony Sorelli, they're no slouches as far as third line players are concerned, and. And the great thing for for Tampa is that gives them depth to move it up. So if maybe they're like, you know what, Nick Paul, you're just not cutting it right now on the second line with Stammer and, and Kalorn. Let's let's bring up Sorelli, let him center, or maybe let's move Stamkos back to center and bring somebody else up on the wing. Right? There's options there. And so, um, but I will say this year for Toronto on the flip side, the difference now for them is they have that Ryan O'Reilly factor. So um, that's going to be key for me as far as if you want to talk about X factors, right? When you name Braden Point to me, Ryan O'Reilly is that X factor. He's that difference maker as far as, you know, that ability to shuffle up the lines a little bit more and not have to be so top heavy for the Maple Leafs anymore. Yeah, I absolutely. And I mean, whether Ryan O'Reilly ultimately ends up centering his own line or he's just kind of shuffled around wherever needed throughout the playoffs, uh, he brings an X factor that you just can't yeah, you, know, you can't just go out and and find it and like create it. It has to be there. You know, he's won before. Uh, he's won. Not only has he won before, he's a Conn Smythe Trophy winner, which there are a very few of those in the league. And so, uh, I think this would be the first time that the Leafs, in these six years of missing the playoffs, have a Conn Smythe Trophy winner on their team. So there's there's that. Uh, but I, I I do look at the Leafs roster and I see a deeper team than they have had in a in a minute here and uh, I think that Yarn Croak has has worked out so well and he's it like and then you've got a fourth line of David Camp and uh, Aston Reese and Sam Lafferty that looks really good and is is just causing tons of problems even when those top lines aren't chugging and and sometimes in these games where like at this point they don't mean anything i don't want like i don't uh, correct me if i'm wrong you you don't need your your top guys going balls to the walls when there's really nothing to play for at this point other than pride and other than like hey we're trying to figure you know figure out where ryan o'reilly fits into the lineup and all that there's there's a few question marks and maybe for uh to a lesser extent, someone like Matthew Nyes, who just signed his entry-level deal with the Leafs after losing a heartbreaking game in overtime in the college finals. Uh, you're looking to see where those guys fit, but you don't need these guys to go and, and get themselves hurt. That's really what you're, what you're trying to avoid here in the last few games is like, let's keep everybody healthy. I would expect that different players may get a, a little rest here. Maybe not Matthews because he has missed eight games anyways but um i could see maybe a couple guys taking a night taking a night off if they can do it with their salary cap they just don't have a lot of wiggle room so they won't be able to call anyone up uh, but I, I think at this point you're just you know you're you can you can float a little bit like i think in an ideal world 
tonight or was it tomorrow against uh no it is tonight against Tampa Bay the Leafs and if if they could if the salary cap and the rules allowed it you just play a whole bunch of AHL players you don't you don't even give them any like you know tonight is going to be something where the Lightning are taking shots at the Leafs it's probably not going to be the other way around cuz the Leafs don't don't usually play that way and Tampa is definitely more willing to uh to I'll say be a little bit cheap to further their cause down the Ooh. road. So, I mean, you've got Corey Perry on your team. <laughs> you know that he, you, you like, you know, that guy's going, all right. Hey, I mean, if we can take a shot, why wouldn't we? We're going to play these guys in, in a week or less. Yeah, I mean, what, what was it? Bobby Orr used to say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And so, um, yeah, I, it wouldn't is shock he the, me. If, is he the only one who's ever said that? Well, I'm sure he's not the <laughs> only one, but he's the one that made it famous for me anyways. Um, yeah, it, it. I wouldn't put it past Tampa. Not necessarily saying that they're this type of team, but some of their players, it wouldn't surprise me if they do go out there and maybe hack a little bit more. Right? I will. Maybe I know I would. Cross check. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because you want to do whatever you can I, to create an advantage for you come playoff time. Absolutely. I mean, I would do it, but that's because I am a hack and I would do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, goodness. Uh, yeah. Well. Okay. So. I th- correct me if I'm wrong, and uh, I I would say that for the most part in this series, uh, in this particular year, you mentioned it. The Leafs probably have the advantage here at forward depth for the first time. Like the Lightning usually have this, and and the Leafs have essentially gone out and said, "Well, we need to beat the Lightning first and foremost." And the way we're going to do that is by having four really good lines. Uh, they're taking a page out of their book, hundred percent, and. Uh, and I, I think they're walking into this maybe with with more depth at the forward position. The Leafs don't have the same kind of top end defenseman like a Victor Hedman, but I think from top to bottom they have more depth at defense. The the Leafs do than than yeah. Tampa. That's I mean that's a really good question. I I think I mean literally if you're comparing like Ian Cole to Mark Giordano, of course I'm taking Gio all day. Yeah. Right. Same with yeah. like Darren Radish to to TJ Brody. I'm going to take TJ Brody, but you're right. I mean, I think when you think of Hedman and Sergachev, I think these two guys, I would take in a heartbeat almost over any one of Toronto's defensemen. However, when you get past that, um, man, it's, it's all, it's all Leafs. And so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's how you really weigh it, right? Are you going to be very, very heavy if you're the, the lightning as far as playing Hedman and Sergachev those minutes? I'm not worried about Eric Cernak holding his own. He's, he's a fantastic defenseman. He's not going to put up the offensive production, uh, that you might get out of a, a Mikhail Sergachev. But then again, too, uh, Timothy Lilligren and, and Justin Hall, you're not going to get that either. But I think, again, you know, um, you know, if you had to go out there and throw out your third lines or maybe your, you know, your second line, I think, you know, in any case, I might, I might take, I might take Toronto's over, over Tampa's and, you know, in a, in a, in a pinch for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, I think it's fair to say that Hedman has had a down year this year. He's he's been a little bit less productive than he has been in the past. I mean, he had 85 points last year, and he's down to 49. Uh, still, still phenomenal. A 50 point defenseman. No one's complaining about that. I think he he uh, maybe has been hampered by injuries a little bit. I'd say a, a, for the most part, Tampa in general has been uh, pretty hampered by some some injuries throughout the the season, and that does, never helps. Um, at this point, nobody is going on to LTIR because there's not enough games left. Um, but they, 
they have they have had their injury problems this year, and that maybe goes into you know why they are a little bit further down in their point total than we expected. I think we all expected this team to be a, a hundred point team for sure. Um, but I will say the one area that Tampa Bay has the X factor is in goal, right? Like they've got Andre Vasilevsky, who yeah maybe he hasn't been uh, he's not up for the Vesna this year. We'll say that. Uh, he's been really good, though, a 916 save percentage, which is exactly his save percentage a year before. And, you know, he's going to be a factor. And that, to me, is probably the one area where you go, okay, maybe the Leafs, top to bottom, have, have an advantage at forward and net defense. But then when you go to the goaltending, it is a pretty big gulf between Vasilevsky and Samsonov in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that, right? I mean, in the when you talk about, you know, the difference in goal is I know Vasilevsky can turn it on, right? So he can he can come in playoffs and just go to a whole nother level that, you know, I haven't seen Samsonov do. And, and you so, know it's going to be very hard to beat Tampa two games in a row. Exactly. Because he, yeah, right? he rarely loses two games in a row. It, happened, it finally happened in last year's playoffs. But he right. very rarely does it. What like it happened that one time in the finals against the Colorado Avalanche, and it hadn't happened for like three years right. before that. I think the last time it had happened was the swept series against the Columbus Blue Jackets in twenty eighteen. Was that twenty eighteen nineteen? Yeah, yeah, or twenty eighteen. So. It was twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. It was twenty eighteen. But yep. I mean, yeah. So Vassy can turn it on, and and I know a lot of of Tampa's forwards can do that as well. And so um, what I'm interested to see is if Toronto's forwards, you know, like, like, like you mentioned last night's game against Florida, right. Going in overtime, they seem to go to another level that I want to see in playoff hockey, right. They, they had that compete, that drive that I want to see, like we saw with dry last year playing on one leg, but somehow managed to just will himself to yeah. take his game to, uh, you know, another level on one foot. And so I want to see that out of Matthews Nylander this year. I want to see those guys take it to another, another level. Now they've been, good in the playoffs the last couple of years but you know i mean like last year right you know nylander seven points in seven games the year before that eight points in seven games and matthew's very similar as far as production is concerned and you know i want to see it to another level where you know they get 12 13 points in you know six or seven games and well that and, you, like, and you want to see some actual production from down in the lineup like let's absolutely. go let's go to other characters who have been here in the past uh, or play, that were on the team last year, like Alex Kerfoot, two points in those seven games. Now, the year before in, against Montreal, he did have six points in seven games. Now, granted, one goal. Uh, not that Kerfoot is a guy that you're, you're you're expecting to score a bunch of goals, but you do want to see the, the point production. Michael Bunting, a goal and two assists in, in the six games last year. He, he did get hurt. Uh, I'm trying to trying to go through here and on the guys that were actually on the team, most of the bottom six left. Um, yeah. I mean the, the top guys all had a point per game or better. Uh, it's just a matter of that bottom six. Like you need those goals that you need that, that Brandon Paul kind of goal where uh, unexpected characters score big goals for you and the Leafs didn't get it. I don't think you can blame the top guys at all, but I think you're right. Like, yeah, you can't blame the top guys, but you also can't give them any credit. Like, right? They didn't win, so you're <laughs> yeah, making eleven point six million dollars. You could like, 
Exactly. We saw McDavid and Dreisaitl, right, take their team to another level. They played, I mean, granted, they didn't play an offensive juggernaut uh, like Tampa Bay, but they still went through some pretty tough teams to get to where they did in the, East, or in the Western Conference Final. And, you know, again, they, they put up massive numbers for the short period they did. Now, again, I don't think, you know, Austin Matthews or Marner are going to put up McDavid-esque numbers, but I think they can get somewhere close to that because they're more than capable of that. Yeah, and and especially with a team like Tampa, where I look this year, and I think they're a little depleted as far as their bottom six is concerned, and maybe you know their their third line pairing on D, um, you know where there's there's areas there where they could take advantage. So I'm hoping this year that Toronto can their four group can take it to another level offensively this year. Yes, and yeah, let's just let's just go win around, like for the love <laughs> of God, win around in the playoffs. It's, it's actually unbelievable. Sure even even if you're even if you're not a Maple Leaf fan, it, like my whole life, I was taught to hate the Red Wings. And if when you go twenty years without winning a fucking playoff series, I, at some point you just kind of got to be like, like just just win around so I don't have to hear about you never winning around. Because <laughs> it gets a, it gets kind of like all right. I mean, this is it's just an old. I would. I would much rather the like the narrative needs to change for this team, and I, I hope that it's this year. I mean, it just is. Uh, otherwise, I mean, everybody's getting fired. How can you not? How can you not fire everyone? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. I mean, I will say Columbus, right? When they swept Tampa, I was so elated. I mean, I wanted Tampa to win that year, the, the cup, because I just I've, I've always been a huge Tampa fan. But just to see, like you said, Columbus finally finally win around after series, yeah decades of not doing it i mean just my god that was just so it was like some it was a a weight off my shoulders for this team i mean it was great but yeah i I didn't realize that you carried so much anxiety for the columbus (laughs) blue jackets no (laughs) i carry anxiety for the bottom feeders man because my wings have been sitting at the bottom for a while now so like i've just been sympathizing more and more lately with with these bottom teams so Yeah. yeah something about that yeah. Although I, I will say I will never um I, I could care less. Boston can rot and sit at the bottom of the the division or the conference for as long as they have to next time they go through a rebuild and yeah, uh, never true. went around. So that's true. That sounds good. Uh, <laughs> so okay. In in this leave with just to kind of close close out the series uh preview here, uh tell me one player that we're not looking at that's going to make a a big difference for both teams? Boy, you know, I think for Toronto, I mean, we've talked about Ryan O'Reilly, right? I think he's the biggest X factor. But if you want to talk about a guy that's going to have to be a difference maker, for me, I'm looking at Samsonov in Toronto. I know we talked about him a little bit, but I'm just going to reemphasize how important I think he's going to be for this team. Um, You know, Vassy's going to obviously take his game to another level. And we know that the forward group of Toronto is going to have to step up a little bit more. But to me, more importantly, I think this this goaltending has got to take it uh, to a level that they weren't getting out of Jack Campbell last year and, and company the, you know, the few years before. Um, you know, and not necessarily have to put up like a 940 save percentage, but you're going to have to give in that high 19s, 920 save percentage in order to beat this Tampa team. Yes, Sam Sonam needs to be good. Or Matt Murray, it doesn't matter who's in there. Joseph sure. Wall, like somebody, <laughs> you're going to need to be good. And and Samsonov has shown that he can do, like, he, I mean, he's played very well this year. I, I don't think that anyone expected him to be this good. And he has been. And honestly, 
he had he had a pretty normal save percentage in the playoffs last year for the Capitals. The Capitals weren't winning that series against Carolina anyways. So I mean I mean he's he's at least played in playoff games. He's he's done fine. And I, I think that it's the natural evolution for this goaltender is now to come in and and take it by the reins. And I think if he wins this playoff series, oh baby, he's gonna he will be the guy that gets the five million dollar type of contract from the Leafs. If he comes in and proves this and, and he has a good playoffs, I, I think, you know, based on his regular season and then the playoffs you know, maybe he gets signed to, uh, you know, he's a, what well, he's an RFA arbitra- arbitration eligible. He maybe gets a one year deal to wait for the Murray deal to get dumped off the next year, but the, and then re-signed to a big deal after that. I mean, this is his, this is his chance. Here's your chance to go out and uh, make yourself millions of dollars <laughs> by playing really well in this round and finally helping the Leafs to break through. Yeah. Uh, who do you have for Tampa? Yeah, for the Lightning, I mean, I just, uh, you know, again, there's there's a lot of obvious characters and, and people you could point to. But um, for me, I'm looking at uh, Mikhail Sergachev and not necessarily not looking at his offensive production because, you know, we, we've seen what he can do this year, right? He's put up 60 points this season. He's, he's playing more ice time than Victor Hedman, and that's why I look at him. Uh, because I'm interested to see what he does on the defensive side of the puck when he's got to play a lot of hard minutes against guys like Matthews and Tavares and how he reacts to that. Because we know Victor Hedman can go out there and shut down the best forwards in the, in the world, right? That's There's no question about that. But what I want to see is Sergachev have to do that, you know, when Victor Hedman maybe isn't playing, you know, 27, 28 minutes a night when he has that opportunity to fill in and step in and really play a few more minutes, how he handles that. Hmm. Yeah, um, Sergachev definitely is a. I mean, he's obviously an incredibly important piece to the the Lightning defense. He's he's about to make more money than Victor Hedman, ironically. <laughs> um, I I think for Tampa, the uh, something that ultimately ended up probably hurting them in the end, and uh, maybe the reason that they didn't win the Stanley Cup was their the true lack of production out of Alex Kalorn. And you can say all you want about his intangibles and the other things he offered. Uh, that's fine. You know, did he go out and play hard? Sure. Does every single player that's in the playoffs play hard? Yeah, pretty much. Like it's, it's the playoffs. It's not hard for, for these guys to get up for these, for the games in the playoffs. Alex Kalorn had four assists in all last year's playoffs. And I mean, Last year, he had 25 goals and 34 assists. This year, very similar, 25 and 36. So he's about a 60-point guy in the regular season. And in the playoffs, he he basically became a 20-point player <laughs> like, or less. <laughs> Uh, in terms of what you know, what that averages out to uh, actually, that's that's about a sixteen less than that's like a fifteen point season, is what really he was, was playing at in the playoffs from a sixty point. Uh, so Alex Kalorn to me, I mean, can he find whatever was missing in the playoffs last year and uh, continue with you know what is a a sixty point season? He's a a really good second line player who. It, realistically, in a playoff series, in a seven-game playoff series, he should be putting up five points. So, can Alex Kalorn find that playoff magic again? And uh, and I, I think if if he does, 
Tampa Bay has a chance to keep up offensively, and I think that that's a that's a huge a huge factor for the Lightning. You know, does he have it? Because if he goes out here and he he has just a, a point or two in the playoffs, and Tampa Bay loses, well, it's going to be it's going to be hard to justify bringing him back next year. Uh, yeah. for, for the cost that he probably would fetch on the open market for a, like a two-year deal, he's probably going to get uh, over $5 million based on his regular season production. And uh, for me, if you're Tampa, it, that probably just isn't worth it if he can't do it in the playoffs. No, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I, I've been looking at Kalorn, you know, the way he plays in the playoffs, right? He's got a little grit, a little sandpaper, which is, I think, it complements guys like Steven Stamkos and, and Braden Point very well. But the difference is, is I think when you move Kalorn, I've noticed when you move him down the lineup a little bit, say you put him on that third line like he was last year with Nick Paul, yes, defensively they can play very, very well and they're tough to play against. But if they don't have difference makers, guys who can you know, toss you the puck, guys who can create offense very, very easily like Stamkos and Kucherov, the offense dries up for guys like Kalorn, in my opinion. And so if Tampa gets in a little bit of trouble where they're trying to keep up and they're they're playing these, you know, five six games you know where they're they're you know trying to play one goal games and they're high scores you know and he gets moved down say on the third line with maybe a guy like russ colton and sorelli gets bumped up or something like that you could see color struggle a little bit because i think he he needs those guys like stam he's like not stam a line driver but he is a really good complimentary player right absolutely yeah. and so that's you know nick paul he's not a line driver either but he's a very good complimentary piece nick and paul. they play oh very gosh. well earlier i think i said brandon paul and i don't know why i did that brandon I said I definitely said Brandon Paul earlier. Meant Nick Paul. Wow. I, I, it's like as soon as you said Nick Paul was like Nick Paul. Oh, I I said Brandon Paul. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nick Paul is, is is again he's a he's a young man's Alex Kalorn in my opinion who needs those those other guys line drivers to produce offensively. And so yeah, I, I agree with you. If Kalorn doesn't produce, if he's just struggling again like he was last year, uh, this Tampa team could be out pretty pretty quick. Yeah, uh, on the Leafs side. I know that he's a regular, like he's one of their top guys, uh, but Morgan Riley has definitely had a down season. He missed a lot of games. He missed what, like 17 games this year. Uh, only has four goals in those 63 games. That's a that's the lowest goal total that he's been on pace for since his rookie year, uh, where he only had two goals. Uh, he did have three goals in nineteen twenty, but that was in forty-seven games, so he would have had more than four had he played more. But uh, he just has not been putting up the same point total. He also, I mean, he's in minus eight. He's a he's a minus for the first time since seventeen eighteen. Uh, that's not insignificant, and he's just been making some uh, some mistakes that haven't been typical of him, and I. I, I have to think that it's got something to do with the injury. So, you know, but can the Leafs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning without Morgan Riley at at, at least 95% of his best? No, I don't think they can. Uh, they're going to need Morgan Riley to be really good. So I I think for the Leafs, it's, you know, what can more, like, can Morgan Riley kind of uh, hit the reset button here in the playoffs? Which, hey, a lot of players have done it. Some players have, they have lackluster regular seasons, they get to the playoffs. They get to hit the, that reset button, and they look like themselves again come playoff time. That's what I expect from Morgan Riley. But if if you get the Morgan Riley who is kind of fumbling the puck and making some uh, silly mistakes, you could quickly see uh, at least Leafs fans turning on Morgan Riley because <laughs> uh, I mean 
if the Leafs lose this series, whoever makes the most mistakes in this series is going to burn. Like, from, you know, from a fan perspective, it's not going to be fun for that guy. And I could see how that that amounts to a lot of pressure for a lot of players, uh, especially for somebody who just signed an eight-year deal at $7.5 million for Riley. So um, he's uh-huh. my – but, I, I mean, I expect him. He's going to be good. And uh, th- these playoffs will be kind of a reprieve for him from uh, this, this kind of like eh, – if ish regular season from him. So uh, that's, those are my two, two players that I'd look at. If Kalorn does really well, Tampa's got a shot. If Morgan Riley is himself and he's really good, the Leafs probably win this series. Like yeah. handedly six games or fewer, in my opinion. Um, okay. If he's not very good, then Tampa's got a shot. Cause he's going to be out on the ice for a minimum of 23, 24 minutes a night in these playoffs. So that's a lot of time to make some, uh, some goofy mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I will say the one thing when you talk about Toronto's defense, right? If you know, we mentioned it earlier, their depth at defense. And I think if Morgan Riley does struggle, Toronto can recover a lot quicker because they have guys like, you know, Jake McCabe or Timothy Lilligren, that's you know, Mark Giordano, they can slide up. Whereas, you know, I think, you know, if Victor Hedman struggles mightily, um, I, I don't know. Tampa you know, just loses. They can recover, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so again, I, I think as a Toronto fan, right, you got to have some comfort knowing that Toronto and, you know, uh, Sheldon Keefe and, and management, you know, they went out and they got depth pieces. They brought in Luke Chin. They brought in these guys to help sort of just create these safety nets around some of these defensemen just in case, you know, some guys struggle a little bit. Uh, you, you probably legitimately have – six players who could be in the top four of good teams. Sure. I don't think that any, any of them are like one, a defenseman, but I think you've got a couple one B's. You've got a lot of two, a two B's. And, and I think that that's, that's enough. I mean, the Pittsburgh penguins in 2017 and 2016 proved that that's enough. Or I guess it was 15, 15 and 16, right? 15 and 16. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, the difference, too, is this Toronto team versus years past, they're playing a much more team-structured defensive game yes. than I think I've seen them in the last few years. So, you know, again, they, they've got those safety nets in place from that perspective, too, to help out this defense should they struggle a little bit, right, or just can't produce offensively. That's very true. Can I just tell you that all I want, I don't just want the Leafs to win this series. <laughs> I just, God, just don't. Like, can we just wrap this thing up in five so that I don't have to use my entire bottle of Zoloft? Like, <laughs> or entire bottle of whiskey? I mean, yeah. If you think about it, this the Leafs have gone to uh, other than that the the first series where they made the playoffs, you know, with with Matthews and there's rookie season. They played Washington and it, it went to six games. They weren't going to beat the Washington Capitals, but they gave it their all and it was a great series. Uh, that one went to six games. All the rest have gone to the max amount of games, seven games, or one of them went to the fifth game because that was the play-in round against Columbus. So, I mean, it's just been, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to see another long series. Can we just let, let's just wrap this one up in five or six and, and move on to the next round. And look, that's, I'm just praying for that. <laughs> no more seven games here. Now, I know. I mean, if, if we have to, then you know we'll go to seven games. If we're down three two in a series, I don't want the series to end. But um, I just I just want to see not just 
squeaking by Tampa. I want to see them dominate the Lightning at, at times. Like You're not going to dominate the Lightning all game, every game. But I, I need to see some stretches where you go, wow, this team is the better team, and Tampa Bay is just hanging on. And, and they'll hang on because they have Vasilevsky. And that just is the truth of it. Um, they can ride his coattails for a little while, and they definitely have the depth to be able to score goals and win some games here in the playoffs. So um, I think that's – I mean, I'm picking the Leafs to win in six. In six, okay. In six, yeah. Well, I can't say I'm not surprised that you're picking Toronto, but um, I think you might be surprised by my pick. I'm going to pick Toronto in five. Okay. All right, winning it at home. Yeah, I that think that would be three home, probably three, uh, three home wins, and and then a win in Tampa. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at right Tampa away, their record's okay. It's you know below five hundred, um, and Toronto's done pretty well away from home. But I think the difference this year is just I I look at guys like Kalorn. I look at that depth on that third and fourth line for for Tampa, and I just think you know what. It's just not enough for me to get past this Toronto team. When you look at guys like, you know, Kerfoot, Ryan O'Reilly, that, you know, yarn crook on that third line, I think Toronto's just got more depth up front for me. And I think if Sam Sonoff can match or just be pretty close to Vassy as far as, you know, production and, and stops are concerned, um, you know, I just don't think Tampa's got the horses again this year to, to, to do it. I just think they're just going to not necessarily – going to one of those like, oh, crap, now we got to reset because we lost pretty bad in five games to Toronto. But it's just, you know what, we just, you know, we we fizzled out. We just didn't have a, a good run, and I just think that's that's kind of how it's going to play out. Uh, that's what happens when you go three straight cup runs. Right, right. Like, <laughs> exactly. All the way to the finals, You yeah. And you spend a lot of first-round picks on on uh, on depth pieces. Not like they weren't spending first-round picks on first-line guys. They were spending first-round picks on depth pieces who were cheap. And they could they could afford under their cap, so it is going to come back eventually. To, but I mean, who cares? You won two Stanley Cups and you went to a third Stanley Cup final. Unbelievable! Um, only the Leafs could dream about doing something like that. Right. So I mean, I watched it with my Red Wings for so many years. Right. They they won cups and then they started spending first round picks just to stay in the fight. Right. And yeah. then they just eventually fizzled out. And I think yeah. that's kind of what's going to happen with Tampa. And you're not necessarily going to see a hard reset, but you're going to see. I think some spending here over the next few years where they're going to move guys like Kalorn out. And yeah, bring let's, some other let's not forget to, that Kucherov is over here having a, a pretty historic season. I mean, he's at right. 111 points. He's, he's unbelievable. Um, we haven't really touched on him yet. Uh, but I mean, Kucherov is still Kucherov. You're never going to be out of the fight when you have guys like Stamkos and Kucherov and, uh, and Braden, and Braden Point, Point might and, have and a 50 Hedman. goal year. Right. I mean, that's crazy. So, so, all right. Well, there's the uh, Leafs lightning preview. Let's just spend a little bit of time here on the on the rest of the league. Um, you want to go? Let's let's sneak over to the Western Conference since we're uh, those those two teams are in the East. We'll just we'll talk through what could happen here. Uh, now I know we're recording this on Tuesday at about six p.m. So before all of today's uh, tonight's games begin, which there are some some games that will definitely have an impact on these standings. Uh, the Red Wings play the the Hurricanes. That has a big uh, big effect there in the East. The Penguins play the Blackhawks. That one, uh, I think we're all leaning towards the Penguins winning that game. But uh, in the West, man, the Jets play in the Wild. That's a huge game for both teams. The Jets clinch a playoff spot with one point. 
uh, or the the you know the wild can also get back into is the wild still have an opportunity to finish first in this division which is so crazy three teams still have a chance to finish first in the division and you've got oilers avalanche another huge game uh, kraken and the golden knights uh the the kraken have a chance to jump la and and go play the edmonton I, you know what do you want to do Let's start here. If you're the Seattle Kraken and you're looking at this and you go, all right, we, no one can catch us, right? They're in the playoffs. If they win, they could move up and play the Edmonton Oilers. Or they could lose and they would likely play either the Dallas Stars or the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, or I, or, or they could also win not play the Oilers and play the the, the Golden Knights <laughs> if they if uh, the Golden Knights fall and the Oilers jump up in the standings which the Oilers my god have won seven in a row right now they are just uh, tearing it up what do you do here if you're Seattle <laughs> or what I mean, do you want if you're Seattle <laughs> honestly I I would just say you don't really care right um, I think if you're a Seattle fan right you get in um, you just you just want to show up and not be embarrassed in the first round, right? You want to put up a little bit of fight, maybe try to go six or seven games. But I mean, if I had my choice, right? If I if I if I had to pick one team not to play against, it's the Edmonton Oilers, right? I don't want to play that team for whatever reason. Um, so I want to let Vegas or Edmonton win. You know, jump Colorado or Dallas for a potential first place. That way, you you end up playing Dallas or Colorado in the first round, and and I think Colorado to me is a little bit more tempting because of their lack of depth down the center position on that second and third line. So maybe you think, okay, cool. We, we could potentially have a shot if we get some decent goaltending yeah. there. Um, you know, if we can, you know, cause who knows where Landis is, how he's going to, you know, be performing. I don't know what his status is right now, but um, you know, you're not getting him hundred percent regardless when he comes back. And, you know, but if uh, you have to face, you know, a team with three, three guys with a hundred points right now, and a 150-point player, I am with that poor goaltending that the Wild have had or that Seattle has had this season between Grubauer and Jones. And don't get me wrong, Jones has been fine, but he hasn't been good. Fine, uh, yeah, fine. Yeah, they're, they're going to get shellacked pretty quick, so they're going to have to win some seven to six games if they end up playing Edmonton. I mean, that that would be fine. I'd be there. I'd be I'd be here for that. Um, <laughs> not not them getting shellacked, but the seven, six games. Um Here's the correct like so the 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 last game day of the regular season is Friday April fourteenth. Um, the Sabers play an inconsequential game. Well, oh, I lied. That could be a consequential game against the Blue Jackets if the Sabers have won out and a couple teams lose. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but the Avalanche play the Predators on the final game that will that will likely be the last game to end. And there's a chance that. The winner, like if Nashville wins that game, they make the playoffs. If Colorado wins that game, they win the division. Um, and my goodness, do you ever want to win the division in this one? Uh, I think you definitely want to be taking on either Seattle or Winnipeg over Minnesota or Dallas, in my opinion. Uh, but the day before that, the late night games, This here's the potential for this. So you've got Oilers, Sharks. Ducks, Kings, Kraken, Golden Knights, all going between 9 and 10.30 starts. And potentially, all those teams playing uh, like 
one team wins and it could all get flip-flopped. Everything Edmonton could jump Vegas or, you know, Seattle jumps Los Angeles. Uh, lo- only thing that can't happen is Los Angeles jumping the Oilers. So Los Angeles is either going to finish third or in that first wild card spot. Uh, Seattle has the opportunity because they've got two a uh, game in hand, two games remaining, both against the Golden Knights uh, down the stretch. So it's it is pretty crazy that on the like we've got three days left of the regular season, and we truly have no idea who's going to play who. <laughs> no idea. Right. We don't even like because these. I mean, it looks likely that. Vegas is going to probably be the top team in the in the West, which would mean they play Winnipeg or Nashville. Now, like I said, Winnipeg needs one point. So, I mean, they're by the time you're listening to this, if Winnipeg scooped up a point against Minnesota, uh, I believe that it would be yeah the the regulation overtime wins. Winnipeg is 44, Nashville's 35. So it's it's not even not anywhere close. So they they just need the one point here in the next two games, um, but so there's a chance that that's wrapped up. Um, it's probably pretty likely that we're going to see Vegas play Winnipeg. I guess in in that scenario, I think that you know you go Vegas Seattle two games in a row. I think it's fair to say that both those teams probably pick up two points, two points apiece. Um, I don't think that either one of those teams is just going to sweep the board and get four and the other one gets zero, right? Like it doesn't happen that often. Well, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, oh, so many things can happen. Um, I know now, now you're listening to this and, and a few things have changed, but uh, it is exciting in the Western conference, how literally everything could be different um, from how it is today and even tomorrow. So uh, yeah, where, where, who do you think wins each division central and Pacific? Yeah. I, I mean, I got to say just because again, um, you know, Edmonton just being a couple points back, um, you know, I, I, I think they're still going to continue to roll. Um, but I mean, ultimately I they think have the tiebreaker. They do have the tiebreaker. I will give you that. But I do think again, two points behind with two games to go for both these teams. I think Vegas ultimately is going to snatch up, uh, three out of a possible four points. I think they've, they've been playing great hockey too. And I mean, Edmonton's been playing fantastic hockey, but um, I just think Vegas is going to do enough to clinch because if you if you look at it right, I mean, don't get me wrong, Los Angeles is you know not looking like you know a, as big a threat as Edmonton is, but um, you know I mean you don't want to have to play them either. So I think Vegas would much rather prefer to have to play a Winnipeg team or or potentially uh, you know a Seattle team versus having to go up against um, you especially know, uh, Los these, Angeles. Some of the like uh, like a team like Winnipeg who's just clawing at everything to just try and desperately make the playoff, like not go and have a complete meltdown in the second half of the season. I mean, at one point they were third in the Central, right? And or they were first in the Central for they were a while. First, yeah, at one point, <laughs> and they have fallen to this point where you know you have to pick up one point in the final two games of the regular season just to make the playoffs. Um, I think they will be playing desperate, desperate hockey, and they have been for a while now. That plays into, you know, a, a more tired team and and all that. Uh, I mean, they've still been pretty good, and they still have Connor Hellebuck. I don't know if I'm if I'm rooting <laughs> to play them, but uh, maybe over a team like, like Edmonton for sure. I <laughs> definitely would. Um, all right, should we go over to the – oh, wait, you didn't give your central. Who do you think is going to win the central? Oh, well, I mean, gosh, 
That one's a toss-up, but I, I think at this point I'll, I'll, I'll go Colorado. Um, yeah, I would with that see, game in hand. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to see a Dallas-Minnesota matchup in that first round. I think that would just be a lot of fun. And, and Colorado, I, I think, again, they're, they're a team to me that is suspect um, in terms oh, of, man, I think. But their second half has just been so good. I mean, they were has. outside the playoffs, and they have just they, – they're. I mean, they could still win the entire Western Conference. With Without a three doubt. wins and uh, like a Vegas loss, right? But to me, I think there's a team there in Colorado who who has the potential to be upset in the first round, and I kind of like that, right? And if you put them in, you know, if they falter and have to play a Minnesota, right? Yeah, if they lose to Minnesota, that's that's okay. It's you know, Minnesota is going to be a tough out for anybody. Um, but if you have to go play Seattle or Winnipeg in the first round, and you're Colorado, right, and you you lose to them, well, that's clearly an upset i don't think there's any doubt about that so um to me that's you know a a series that i would like to see maybe possibly be upset all right yeah i'm uh you know i i definitely i mean colorado is the obvious i guess the easy pick uh the obvious pick not the easy pick the obvious pick uh in there the fact that colorado's only lost six games in overtime or a shootout is is pretty impressive like they have 49 wins on the year whereas dallas has 45 uh they've lost an overtime or or a shootout a total of 14 they've actually lost an overtime 11 times <laughs> dallas has <laughs> um whereas colorado has lost an overtime three times so there, there's just a uh, that's just, it's just interesting how points get stacked up uh where you know things could be much different if it weren't for that that little extra point and and Colorado has not benefited from that point. Uh, whereas I know Calgary is eliminated from the playoffs, but my goodness, 17 games that they've lost in, in uh, overtime in a shootout, they've, they've lost 12 in overtime and five in a shootout. Uh, just, I mean, shows you why they aren't going to make the playoffs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, when you got a large number of overtime or shootout losses, you're typically at the bottom of the league, right? I mean, you look at, you know, teams like Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona, there's double digits there for a reason. Yeah, I mean, the New York Rangers have lost 13. They've lost 10 games in overtime this year. Um, not, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter in the playoffs because the playoffs are played five on five. Uh, those teams just have to hope they never play three on three. <laughs> right. so, for whatever reason, double penalties for both teams, right? Uh, all right, let's go to the Eastern Conference. We obviously we've covered Toronto and Tampa. We know Boston has won the conference. They've won the President's Trophy. They did like three months ago, uh, <laughs> and uh, they are going to play. Let's let's start there. Boston's going to play one of Florida, New York Islanders, Pittsburgh, or Buffalo. Technically, Buffalo's still in it. If Buffalo wins the final three games of their season, uh, that would put them at 93 points. And they would be able to, uh, the, the other teams in there, I mean, Florida, in their final game of the year, they have to beat the Carolina Hurricanes or pick up a point against the Hurricanes, and they will make the playoffs. Uh, that's no easy task because the playoffs or the uh, Hurricanes are fighting for the top of the division. So I don't think they're going to be dressing anything but their best lineup right you would assume for that right? game. i mean you would assume so but uh gosh yeah let's let's just assume so right <laughs> and, and that that game will be played on april the 13th so it's it is you know it, we've got a little while like a, a couple days before we know uh 
we'll have a better idea of what the entirety of the standings look like at that point um, because the Islanders will have already played. The Islanders play Montreal tomorrow on the 12th on, on Wednesday. So uh, the Islanders basically a must win game for the Islanders to make the playoffs. If they win, they, I guess they, they still aren't guaranteed to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. If they win, they, they are not guaranteed, not um, guaranteed, but it's pretty likely if they yeah, can win. And they would hope to do it in regulation too, because if it comes down to that tiebreaker, right, I think they would, um, you know, the reg, the RW, the regulation wins, they would tie Florida with 36 apiece. Well, assuming it's, the, that Florida it's regulation loses. overtime wins is what. Well, it's first regulation wins, then oh, oh, the yes, overtime. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then they would potentially have 41 in the regulation overtime wins column, which right. would be more than Florida, assuming Florida loses their last game. So, um, yeah, the Islanders will hope to do that in regulation to, um, you know, potentially steal that, assuming that they win. But now, now here's the here's the caveat: the Pittsburgh Penguins play the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets, the two worst teams in each conference. <laughs> right. So, I mean, a scheduling the scheduling gods have smiled on the Penguins. Now they still have to go out and win those games. Chicago. Uh, Played spoiler the other night to the Winnipeg Jets, and on a on a must win game really for the Jets. I mean, a game that would have would have been really important. No, sorry, to the Flames. They beat the Flames. Uh, yes, and killed the Flames uh, playoff hope. So I'm sure they'd love to be spoiler again. But uh, the Penguins theoretically should win both those games, putting them at 94 points, which would guarantee them a playoff spot. They they are in control of their own destiny. The Islanders will need some help. They could get that 93 points. They need Florida to uh, to lose. In They could lose in overtime, too, and be tied. Like you said, the, they, they get the tiebreaker. Uh, but that would also put Buffalo, if they won three games, that actually would – Buffalo doesn't have the tiebreaker. So they can't – they need these, these – so one of these other teams, two of these other teams, to be below 93 points, to be at 92. So – Buffalo, big time outside chance. Plus, you got to win all, got to win all three games. That's no easy task. Doesn't doesn't even matter if they're against lesser teams. Uh, no, I mean they got to. Buffalo's got to play New Jersey New tonight, Jersey. And, and Luke Hughes coming in tonight for New Jersey. Yes. So the brothers, right? The Hughes brothers. There's going to be. I mean, you want to talk about a, a New Jersey team that's going to be amped up, ready to go. And Buffalo's playing in New Jersey too, so I mean New Jersey uh, more so than any other division. That Metro division between uh, the the Rangers at this point, I don't think that it's likely that they uh, that they move up in the standings. I think they're they they could if they win the final game of the regular season for them, that would put them at 109 points right now. That would tie them with Carolina, Uh, but both those. Both Carolina and New Jersey have two games left, and I don't think that it's likely that those two game, two teams in the final two games of the season go over and end up with no points. So I I think New York's kind of got to be looking at this like you know what it is what it is. I think we're just gonna probably finish where we where we are, and that's fine. And you're just gonna kind of wait and see. You know, do you end up playing Carolina or do you end up playing New Jersey? Uh, and especially like the Rangers are going to, the Rangers will probably win the the Leafs are going to, it'll be the last game of the season for the Leafs. The Leafs don't have much to play for. So, you know, the Rangers could probably win it, but I just don't see New Jersey or Carolina going 
zero points out of four in the next two games. No, I agree with you. With so much yeah. on the line and the way they've played, it just is it's it's unlikely. I know neither team has played great. Like Carolina's lost three in a row. Uh, they're struggling to score a little bit here without Shvetsnikov. That's that is starting to rear its ugly head, and that'll come out in a you know a preview for this series. So all the more reason though for both these teams to go. Boy, do we want to play the Rangers, or do we want to play the Penguins or the Panthers? Like, I'll take those team those two teams over the Rangers right now. Who I think I you picked them to like I think you picked them to win the conference, or or you picked them as one of your five teams likely to win the cup. So, and and I I, I don't disagree. I, I think the Rangers are. You don't want to play against Shesterkin in the first round. <laughs> no. I'll take playing against Alex Lyon. I don't care how good of a little stretch run he's had, but give me Alex Lyon over Shesterkin all day, every day. <laughs> I can't believe Alex Lyon is all of a sudden good. Third star of the week, baby. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I mean, congratulations to him. I, I, I just, you know, it's one of those guys who have just been, you kind of write off in your head that they're a backup goalie, and that's just kind of what they are, and that's, uh, that's fine. There's no shame in being a, a really decent NHL backup goalie, uh, but he is—he's come in here for a uh, not quite the Hamburglar kind of kind of run, but hey, pretty pretty darn close. Like pretty similar, pretty similar vibe. Like a guy who hasn't been much comes in and is just stealing the show for a little while. It's always fun when it happens. I I don't hate it, but I also say and hey, bring that team on instead of the Rangers. Yeah, but but let's be honest. Is he really going to? Uh, is he going to get the nudge in the playoffs? Right, if it comes down to it. I mean, no, they're going to go to Bobrovsky. So, yeah, but Bobrovsky's going to have a pretty short leash, I would guess, because of that. I won't disagree with you on that one. So, but, all right, who? Give me your picks. Who do you have making making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference between Florida, New York, Pittsburgh, and, and Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Florida and Pittsburgh. I just think, again, you know, the Islanders scored a struggle, um, you know, unlike some of these other teams where, you know, I don't really worry about Pittsburgh's ability to, to put up a few goals. Um, now the difference is obviously, I you know, the Islanders do a very good job of keeping the puck out. But when I look at their their schedule here with for Pittsburgh having to play those, you know, those bottom feeders in Chicago and Columbus, I think with that veteran talent they have between Crosby, Malkin, Latang, that whole group, I think they'll – They'll figure out a way to get it done and at least get, you know, three points. Um, now, the Islanders, on the other hand, I could see potentially being upset because I think, you know, Marty St. Louis is the type of coach that's going to be pushing his team to play hard till that final whistle of the season and and no quit, right? I mean, that's just – that's this this type of team, and I think they could potentially play upsetter to uh, to the Islanders. And, boy, would they would they love that, right, just to put a little, little tip of the cap, a little feather in their hat before the season's over with. Yeah, I mean it's it's what you have, it's what you've got to play for, right? So yeah, it's absolutely, uh, it's it's something that you could get up for. Like, hey, if we win this game, we're going to knock this team out. Like, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I, it is. I'm I'm in for that. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a little cra- I think a little crazy here down the stretch. Uh, I I want to say in my dream world, Florida. And the Islanders lose in regulation in the final game of the regular season, and then we have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh getting in because I just 
can't yet come to grips with Pittsburgh missing the playoffs um, and Washington at the same time. I'm just I'm right. just not there yet, so I don't want that to happen. And I want on the final day of the regular season for the the Buffalo Sabers to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Just because that would be so cool against Wouldn't the Blue Jackets. That would be a game I would love to watch. Yes, the most like uh, you would never expect that a Buffalo Columbus game in the last game of the season this year would have such a so much at stake. Now, hey, Buffalo loses, or you know, by the time you're listening to this, Buffalo lost to New Jersey. That's a moot point. They're not going to make the playoffs, um, and that game will be an absolute nothing burger. And I definitely won't watch it. <laughs> uh, I guess. That Colorado-Nashville game has some potential to have a little bit of meaning. Probably, my my assum- my guess is that Winnipeg grabs a point and Nashville's eliminated before that final game of the season. It would be before the final game of that season. And then Colorado trying to win that game could probably be for the division um, and potentially the conference. So that game will have, have some impact on the playoff matchups, but... Uh, probably not for Nashville or for Buffalo, but I hope that it does. So that would be fun. Any uh, any final thoughts here before we uh, before we get out of here? Oh boy, I just uh, I'm excited for our next show because I think you know next time we chat we'll we'll have a lot more clarity on on the playoffs. So yes, I'm excited yes, for that. Absolutely, we'll have to get uh, you know once once we have a few a few more teams to preview, we'll we'll jump in and have to get a get a quick episode in so we don't have to preview. Uh, what what is it? Eight series, so seven seven other series in one show. Uh, that always goes well. That that goes two hours. <laughs> at that point. But uh, yes, good luck to all the teams that are still in the hunt. And un- until we until we t- chat with you later, you can find us on Twitter at ot hockey talk. Justin, hope you have a great night, and uh, you know try not to work so hard. Never do. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys soon.